Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Furry's Perspectives Career Insight Series. Um, we've been on a bit of a hiatus for a while, but um, we're back, we're back um, better and bigger. And I'm happy to introduce someone called Solomon, someone I've linked, um, I've kept with over online, who works within investment banking. But I think I'll hand it over to him to sort of introduce himself about what he does, where he's from, and we'll think we'll go from there. So hi Solomon, lovely to have you. Hi, great to be on the platform today. Um been excited to actually do this we've been discussing for a while so yeah glad to be on it uh so my name is solomon i am currently an investment banking analyst working for uh, an investment banking based in london i've been doing this for about two and a half years now um so soon to be associate in terms of my story um so i studied engineering at the university of warwick as a master's degree uh and i kind of came into university wanting to take advantage of the fact that you know I come from inner city London and I've gone to university with people from a diverse group of backgrounds and I always saw myself I guess at least what I saw as success was kind of working in the city in the bright lights and so I kind of had that picture in my mind and worked towards it so throughout my time in university I did a number of internships and insights um, and making sure I got involved in societies I think societies are something that people often forget, but it's good to kind of leverage off people to make sure that you can reach your goals. So I managed to get on the board of the Investment Banking Society, the Consultant Society, as well as other ones such as the men's football team. This all helped me with my communication and teamwork and just general marketability skills, because I think that's really, really important. Anyway, throughout my university, I did internships at Goldman Sachs and um, Deutsche Bank and chose to join you know RBC um, in the healthcare team at the time as an investment banking analyst so that was quite a rigorous process you know tons of technical interviews um, multiple tests but it was all worthwhile I've really been enjoying that and now I've moved to the consumer and retail space and yeah doing a lot uh, throughout that space but I've obviously yep no sorry carry on carry on man yeah, yeah. So I've obviously, outside of that, I have other interests, particularly in kind of the fitness and health space. So I've always been quite proactive from a very young age. And I think it's been really, really healthy. I think often people go to university and get into this career and forget their passion or whatever that they used to let their hair down. But for me, you know, fitness has always been a way to you know, separate myself from the kind of the challenges of everyday life. And it's always been good. Personally, I have a brand which I built up, which is the Life of Soul. And the whole essence behind it is how I kind of incorporate the fitness and corporate life all in one. And so often when people see me, they think perhaps, I mean, within the PT space, but it's just the idea of balance. So I decided during, during lockdown to actually build this out. So starting through social media, building Instagram, actually getting on YouTube. And now I have a separate site in which I kind of provide corporate and fitness advice. And I've also started other entrepreneurial pursuits. So yeah, that's enough. That's a bit about me. No, thanks for that, man. That was really detailed. And I feel like you speak about a few things which we'll touch on later. And mm-hmm. obviously, I think to sort of start off first is that obviously you work in IB, but you speak about how you're also within consulting. You did a bit of consulting at uni. And also that mm-hmm. um, you sort of envision yourself like within the city. So obviously mm-hmm. in the city, I think of three things, banking, consulting and law. So what, what made mm-hmm. you choose banking, specifically IB or consulting, for example? Like, What sort of drew you towards that? Mm-hmm. I would say, to be honest, it was heavily influenced. I think 
when you do, depending on the university, but generally, if you go to like what they call the target sits, so Warwick, UCL, Oxford, Cambridge, LSE and Imperial, it's really the thing that's put in the forefront. So banking was what was put in front of me. What I mean by that is once you go to the CITES, that's all people spoke about. Um, people in the men's football team and the ACS team, people going out. I think the main things that really challenged me was the fast-paced environment. I always saw myself as a strategic and analytical thinker, quite good with numbers, and I wanted to kind of work on the biggest deals, the ones that you actually show on the Financial Times and the paper. And I think a deal that struck me years ago was the Facebook WhatsApp deal, just because those are things that we use on an everyday basis. And, you know, seeing businesses that we interact with, you know, go for what was a couple of billion at the time, really drew me towards it. Um, but taking a step back, I think consulting also would have been probably something I would have gone to if I could go back and change, just because I think uh, banking is very transactional, where consulting is a lot more relationship. And I've realized over the time there is value in de deriving a relationship um, and building, but I'd probably say I'm happy with my decision because of the technical element. And because in terms of, in, in terms of the career, I feel like in banking that sets you up, um, and that's probably one of my key reasons as why I chose the M&A because, you know, long term I knew I didn't want to be an M&A banker for the rest of my life, but I didn't want to have a, uh, a skill set that would help me in other career paths. That is true, yeah, it's true. And also, I sort of want to touch on, like, the day in the life of the role as an M&A analyst because I feel like mm -hmm. everyone has IB, it's a flashy career, like, it's a really um, mm -hmm. big career, but... What do you what do you like? What do an IB analyst do on like a day to day basis? People actually understand yeah. what you do and the yeah, way. Yeah, sure. So maybe take us through like a day a day in the life as a as investment banker analyst for us. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, what I'll do is I split it into three bits. I explain to the actual definition of what we do, and then I'll give you a highlight reel of maybe what I do in a day. So an investment banking analyst essentially is, you know, you're part of a team, whether a product team. So the product would be even investment banking or you know, debt capital markets or a industry team. So that'd be like consumer retail, healthcare, TNT. And what you do is work across execution and pitching. So pitching essentially is when you or your team decide to try and win business. So if you do hear you have a client, let's say it's Unilever, and they're looking to, you know, buy a new, a new business in Russia, for example, to expand their geographic geographical relationships you as an investment bank uh, pitch so you try to win their business by providing detailed analysis on their operations looking on how if their business was to join they'll be consolidated and essentially putting a, that across in a message on powerpoint for example on excel and seeing how the business will merge and obviously you try and win that and through that you get on a, a live mandate in which the firm receives fees the other side and the more kind of busy and the highlight real side is the execution. So this is when you're actually mandated on a deal and when you're working for the client to actually get them over the line. So they've hired you to perhaps sell their business. So what you do is often uh, value their business and allow them to achieve the best price. Now, how that translates to what my day is, is really a lot of it is a lot of heavy Excel and technical analysis. You forget that it's also involved in project management. So often what I do is maybe in the morning, I will kind of get up to date with the news surrounding my sector. So like I said, I'm in the consumer sector. I would read some of the key headline articles 
to make sure that I'm up to date and also send out news articles to my managing directors because, again, they're very keen on bringing in business and understanding what the dynamics in the industry, whether the government, the Fed have announced something, whether some of the big movers and shakers of the industry have made a deal or there's any M&A rumors. Then often the case is investment bank is very project orientated. So you'll be working on a project for, let's say, three, six months, or if you're unfortunate, a longer time. And what I would do is work on pitch books. So pitch books simply put, and essentially investment banking, all of are is providing a message. But obviously behind this message comes a lot of detailed analytical work. So what you're doing is designing neat, presentations using PowerPoint in order to put this message across. You're doing industry insights, so going into detail about what's been going on in the industry to present the information in PowerPoint. Often is the case you also work on Excel, so that again is breaking down data, using the company financials, sometimes to do financial modeling, which is some form of predictive nature of how the business will look, not only now in the future, and the key art behind this is the valuation. So understanding what price or what multiple, so whether you're looking at price to earnings multiple or either EBITDA, depending on the business, how they look to today. So this, again, is just looking at the financials, looking at historical behavior, using broker research, and essentially coming up with a key valuation to understand how the business is trading. So that side of project management is dealing with lawyers, so getting legal contracts is sort of dealing with accountants because they're very important in, you know, breaking down the numbers um, and also dealing with the client. Sometimes on a deal, you have random requests for the client. So, you know, the other day, I can't really go into detail about the deal, but the client wanted, you know, a presentation to look a certain way. And uh, sometimes you get a random call, uh, you know, around 7, 8 p.m. and you have to do something with the client. Often this probably requires the most pressure because you're actually being paid like a retainer by the client. Um, but yeah, it's really, really interesting and makes the job unpredictable. Yeah, and just listening to you now, you mentioned a few things which I want to touch on, but the first thing first, which I would say is that you spoke about the three different areas within your job, whether that be the analytical, technical, project management, and sort of keeping up to date within the industry. Then that's all <laughs> to the, towards the question of that. What would you say are like the, the three or four key skills needed to sort of like thrive in your industry or, or three or four key skills you needed to sort of like, like be competent in your job? Okay. Yeah, I would probably say the first one, everyone would go and say, so the, the first one I would say is one thing you probably don't hear, but I'd say um, a lot of mental determination. The reason is, is because, you know, this job isn't a regular nine to five, you know, um, the reality is sometimes you work late nights. So late nights could be anything from 10 to midnight or if you're, if it's really light, you know, after hours, so 2, 3, 4 a.m. And again, because of the large sums of money and the client nature of the business and the fact you're working with international clients, you could work, you know, weekends, for example, holidays. So for example, it was bank holiday, but I still managed to get a request and, you often have to be quite diligent in returning and doing the request in you know fast times. So, so I'd probably say mental determination. The second and more obvious things would be stuff like attention to detail. Often is the case you're working with a lot of data and you're under pressure. And of course, if you're working long hours, you haven't slept, you have to make sure you get it right. 
reason being is because you're juggling multiple things and you generally have a lot of responsibility. So you have to grasp things uh, efficiently and quickly. Um, the second, the third thing I would say is probably ability to learn very, very quickly. So for example, if you've now working on a new business you haven't seen before, if you're advising a client, you kind of have to be an expert in a very short space of time. So often the client would give you a lot of detailed information, especially with private companies that's not available to the public, but you have to be able to kind of grasp that very quickly and be able to portray whatever message they're trying to do. But you do get better with time. It's not something that you come in. Often, you know, they do use the grades you've got and the degree you studied as a parameter. But to be honest, I think you get it over time. It doesn't really matter what you studied as long as you show that competence. And I would just say ability to kind of work in a team. Reason being is because, listen, when you're working late hours, you know, you're not always going to be, you know, bright up you're not always going to be energetic. So I think sometimes the nights do catch up with you, but as long as you can be kind of cheerful, a good team player, communicate effectively, um, all those skills will help you have a successful, career in, a, a successful career in investment banking. Perfect. Those are four quality reasons. I really like those. And I guess I'm moving on um, to the next part of our podcast. I just want to talk about your internships. Um, I'm also sort of like how you sort of thrived in them to sort of like, that. I, I assume that, one of your internships, you got you translated into a graduate offer, if I'm right. So um, I was also asked, like, how did you find your internships and, like, what sort of tips would you give to, like, students who are applying for internships or who had ones coming up soon in the summer to sort of stand out and get that graduate offer? I would start with first applying and then I would say, like, being on the job. So I said applying, the first thing you have to do is apply on time. That's something that I learned very, very quick in uni. Um, they often give you a deadline but you have the deadline that's on the website, but very often it's like on a rolling basis, meaning that you they kind of, as soon as they get a sustainable or suitable batch of people, they start interviewing. So I'd say be ready, whether that's preparing your cover letters, um, speaking to people, that's really, really important because, you know, banking, as much as it's on merit, it's also who you know. So if you have the opportunity to go to a networking event and meet someone and build a connection, I would say that's often the best route because, you know, some I heard some ridiculous stats that it could be like a thousand to one, meaning there's there's one space and the internship for every thousand of people. Now, you might be good. You might have the top grades, but to get that extra foot, I think is often important. And I definitely made sure that whenever there was an event, if, uh, you know, an investment bank would come into university, if I could, I'd not only go to that event, but connect with someone and whenever you do go to these networking events, it's important to have like a list of questions uh, to build a rapport. And if you can, uh, name drop uh, the person. If, if they do you allow, allow you to do that, name drop them in the application and hopefully they can give you a referral. I'd say sometimes you have practice tests. So it's really, really good. Like there's, there's a bunch of like assessment day tests that you can use to provide uh, good practice for you to make sure you pass. Because like I said, if there's a thousand to one, banks often use these tests as a filter in the application process. And then I'd say, keep on top of not only what's going on in the bank, but in the industry, because, you know, there's all, there's also a mixture of technical and commercial questions. And although the technical questions are very important, they could be learned over time. What people want to see is your genuine interest. And I think with me, 
although I made sure I was strong technically, I think my story was really important. So for me, it was like I studied engineering. However, I felt the skill set I learned would be very good from like, you know, mathematics and computation, but engineering wasn't dynamic. And I always said that I felt like I had the fundamental skills, but I wanted to apply it in a business environment. And I think that kind of natural transition into why invest in banking um, was important. Uh, people obviously know it's a very lucrative career, but that's not what you 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 say. You want to kind of convince them you're ready to do long hours. You're ready to kind of be under pressure and it's type, an environment you feel that you are thriving. That's actually quite key because... I guess also, I guess like they know that people apply obviously due to the financial benefits, but you need to sort of have that also personal drive to sort of want mm-hmm. to do that. So I really like that. Um, I think, and also on the job, like what are two, three skills on the actual internship people should do to sort of like maximise? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was on the internship, network, network, network. Like, look, these things are 10 weeks, nine weeks, but you don't really know much for the first six months anyway. So I think the key thing is, that you network with people prior beforehand. Um, so genuine investment banking people network through coffees and you have to use some emotional intelligence, obviously, because network doesn't mean add everyone on your team or LinkedIn and invite them out. It means study the person um, or the people on your team and whoever's kind of willing or you feel that will, will essentially hold your, because the way it's decided, let me take a step back, is you're in a room, you have all the candidates and what they do is you need people to vouch for you. And the way I like to think, principles thinking is, okay, how do I get this person to vouch for me? Two things is the, the way the person feels about you and obviously the quality of work. So the first thing the most important is make sure your work is of high quality. So wherever they give you, you know, ask enough questions, ask for precedence because nothing has been, you know, everything's been done before and make sure you're clear and concise of what's being asked for you and make sure you deliver the work to the high detail. Show that you're keen to learn because it's day one, you're not likely to know anything. Even if you studied accounting, if you studied investment banking, it's something completely new. Uh, so I'd say make sure you ask and make sure your work is of high quality. But I'd say the most important thing is network because you want someone in that room to vouch for you. You want someone to say, I really like him or I really like her. So take the opportunity to go out on coffee, speak to different people, speak to people on different teams, ask them about their story, ask them how they managed to be in the industry so long, ask them how to stand out. And I think if you have someone kind of pushing for you in the decision-making process, it's very likely you're going to get a job. And the final thing is do your research. Um, look at the historical trends of what teams have given offers, speak to people and see what teams are hiring because unfortunately the nature is that the industry is very um sometimes has its ebbs and flows meaning it's dependent on how the market is going i'll give you an example at deutsche bank there was a period in which they were kind of going through some difficulties so they made a lot of cuts now it wouldn't have been smart to try and push to go there on a full-time offer if they were making cuts so sometimes it's good to actually do your research and understand which banks are growing, which banks are actually trying to expand. Those are the people that are going to be looking to hire more people because, of course, you want to be at the Goldman's, the Morgan Stanley's, but essentially getting in is a stepping stone. If you don't get in the Goldman's first time, it very much is the case. Is after you've done a couple of years, they'll come hunting anyway. So your important thing should be getting the offer for your summer internship because that's easier than getting a full-time role off the back. Yeah, no, that's, that's thank you for this. The last one you said that was really important. I guess it's that sort of going the extra mile in actually understanding the business and 
what sort of stage it is in its employment cycle. Um, I guess we're sort of coming up towards the end of the, the podcast now because it's been really informative. I just want to talk to you about like <clears throat> diversity. So obviously you mentioned you come from inner city London. So obviously we know London's quite a diverse place. However, um, I think we all know that in Vin, like the corporate world isn't maybe as diverse as mm. in London. So for you yourself as an inner city um, 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 lad, what, how did you feel sort of going into all this in this environment where I assume I don't want to seem too much, but I've seen that the sort of socially background of people within it are many more upper class or well, mm-hmm. private schools. So how did you feel mm-hmm. sort of like um, assimilating in? But how did you how how were you able to assimilate in, but also still keep true to yourself? Yeah, no, I fully agree, and I think it's something that people kind of brush under the carpet, but it is true. It's almost like a machine that produces people from the same type of background. For me, I think it was something that, fortunately, my father being a lawyer, he was always someone that encouraged me to mix with different crowds. Um, so it's something I kind of picked up from young that was important to integrate well with society. And also through life experiences, I think being in, you know, being someone who was always played like elite sports at a high level, you mix with different crowds. Um, although I went to like state school for most of my life, when I had the opportunity, I did transition to a grammar school. So not fee paying, that was off merit, but using that as an opportunity to mix with the people. And then getting into university, I think, incorporating... I'm always someone that likes to get involved in things that are new. So as soon as I got to university, I saw, okay, these are people that I've seen most of my life, but these are people I've never really integrated. And by understanding them, by understanding the way they think, and just personally hanging around with new people, you're able to get a wider array of an experience. And I think that was really, really helpful. Um, But I would say, whilst it's important for you to focus on you know, integrating and, and, and understanding different socioeconomic backgrounds. It's also important to keep true to yourself because, you know, it's not often the case that everyone wants to be the same. It's good to have enough variety. So I find what's really helped me have longevity is just spending time with people that you kind of grew up with and always having that thing to fall back on. Otherwise, you do get consumed with the corporate world and it does kind of you can lose your identity if you're kind of chasing something that you're not. So I think it's important to keep true to yourself as well and, or you know, keep the same friends that as long as they're pushing you forward, just be mindful and try to always grow and try new things. No, I definitely second that. I feel like me, myself at uni, I feel like I was exposed to a different crowd I wasn't used to. And for me personally, I felt like, like a positive for me becoming more like, well-rounded because I feel as human beings when actually we sort of tend to stick to what we know which at times isn't good because in the real world you're not surrounded by yourselves people like you you're surrounded by people from a variety of backgrounds so I really like what you said there um sort of guess the last two questions I think the first one first is more for people who want to sort of like develop their commercial awareness and their understanding of the IB, IB industry what are like three or four resources people should sort of like read or look at on like a daily weekly basis to sort of build up their commercial awareness Commercial awareness. I'd say the best thing for me, Financial Times. I think that's really, really good. Um, that's definitely one of the key things just because it's written quite well, it's quite eloquent and you can kind of sift through the different industries and the different companies. One of the things that helps you, that's the second thing I say is Finimize. I'm not sure if people know about Finimize, but this is like an app which keeps you up to date and really breaks down what's been going on because sometimes the financial times can have um technical 
uh, language, but I think Finamize is really good at breaking down. I think what would have an article and it say, okay, this is what's happened. This is what it means. This is what it means for you. This is what it means for the industry. I think there's a free trial and then you start paying, but I definitely think it's a worthy investment because there's no, you could read something, but understanding the implications it has is really, really important. Then I'd finally say using things such as Bloomberg um, and Thomson Reuters, again, is is really, really good because, again, it, it breaks it down into really good language you can understand. And if you are lucky and you do have an inside contact, I would say the best thing, nothing beats um, industry research reports. So research reports are written by equity research analysts, and they, this is where they go into detail about some of the things driving behind the deal, why it's happened, the market dynamics, the pro forma, which just means the after effects of what's going on, and of course, the valuation. So if you're going for MA and investment banking, whenever you do mention deal, mention why, mention how it was raised, mention the valuation rather than the implication on the firm. Um, and if you can understand those key dynamics, you're likely to stand out. Great, perfect. Yeah, I think. Finamize, especially, I have Finamize actually. I've got the premium version. It's so it's so good because, as you said, like a lot of information is out there, but you actually understand it. Finamize actually breaks it down for like in layman terms for you to actually understand. So Correct. Yeah, that's that's the word. Yeah. Yes, I love it. And I guess sort of just to sort of round things up. You mentioned at the beginning that you have your own sort of like side hustle and um, things you do on the side to sort of like keep you balanced, but also sort of like just have an outside interest. So maybe dive into it a bit, bit more, like what it is, um, like name drop your page and sort of. How does that how's that help to you sort of like keep a work life balance and what is um notoriously known as quite a long, arduous um industry? Yeah, so the first thing I we're in lockdown, it's something I've always done. So I've always been passionate about fitness. I've been kissing outlet. Um initially it was to kind of change my body, but then I saw it as a um I'll say a release. And I think that's probably why I've done it for so long. And then I built um, the life of soul so obviously my name being Solomon the life of soul is supposed to represent a soulful life and how I kind of manage you know lifestyle uh, corporate and fitness all in one and so I have an Instagram page and a website which is linked to an Instagram page and essentially what I do show or what I have been showing is you know kind of my daily workouts how I incorporate nutrition and food and do it in an efficient manner because you know people do think going to the gym it does take a lot of time but it's all about being efficient so my workouts generally tend to be how to get the max you can in a short space of time and recently um i've been showing more about the corporate side so you know highlighting a day in the life which i've got a youtube coming out so if you just youtube life of soul so life and then of sol you should catch me there have a few videos and a day in the life just shows you the little secrets, tips and tricks I use that allow me to simultaneously live a healthy and a, uh, a busy lifestyle. And then there's another co- couple of ventures which um, I'm yet to launch, so I'll kind of keep it there. But that's another venture I kind of I'm looking at to do more on a full time basis. But that's currently under construction. But yeah, the life is so if anyone interested can reach out. I do offer kind of coaching where. I help people who are kind of looking for these jobs. I speak to them, I help coach them, I help them prepare their CVs because this is all important. Like I said, if there's a thousand to one for a job, it's not that you may be the best candidate, but you need to kind of tick the boxes. And so 
what I do is provide kind of corporate coaching. So how to write the best CV, how to write the cover letter. And these are example cover letters that I've got into investment banks such as Goldman Sachs, Deutsche Bank, RBC. I've had interviews at Morgan Stanley, uh, Bank of America, for example. So I've had an experience of a wide array of banks. And then I also provide the fitness. So anyone kind of big into fitness, general strength and conditioning training, but also, um, you know, more kind of hit training. I provide that and nutrition guide. I've actually written a nutrition guide, which is available on my Instagram, where I tell you the science behind foods, because one thing that really helped me stand out or helped me manage is actually understanding what foods do what, rather than just eating mindlessly, understand the calories, understanding nutritional benefit. And that's how I'm simultaneously able to keep, uh, you know, really good physique as well as you know, work strenuous hours. So yeah, that's just a bit about me. Something I'm really, really enjoying and trying to push. No, that's great, man. For proper inspirational, like, like I said, like you're doing it, you work in the industry where like you're doing what I'm guessing 15, 16 hour days and you're able to still roll out all of that at the same time. You must have pretty good time management skills. Um, Again, guys, that's a name drop again that I will tag his um Instagram page when I drop this podcast. Go give it a follow. Really insightful, really knowledgeable. And I feel like if he's able to do what he's doing, alongside this type of job, I feel like that's a big push for all of us out there to sort of like go above and beyond and sort of push ourselves. But um, Solomon, man, I really appreciate you coming on. This is really, no really insightful. And yeah, hopefully I can get you on again in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm-